Hello, and welcome to Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We are going to hear stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. Today, I am really excited to dive into this conversation using virtual reality in the therapy space. I love hearing about how new advances in technology is helping us advance in the mental health space for our clients. So when I met Terrence online, I saw what he was doing on what he was talking about on LinkedIn, and I saw the work that he was doing, and I knew we had to get Terrence on the podcast to share about these new advances and how we can use virtual reality when working with clients and the impact that it can have on our mental wellness. And he offers a really interesting uh, service for therapists where he can design your own therapy room so that it feels like you are in the room with your clients, even though you might be miles apart doing virtual telehealth therapy. So a little bit about Terrence is Terrence Williams. He's the founder of Meta Wellness, which is a company that builds virtual reality simulations for mental health professionals like you and I. Terrence is also an active men's mental health advocate. He speaks on the state of men's mental health, depression, and relationships. For more information, I encourage you to check him out on Instagram and visit his website. Both of those links are there in the show notes. If you are, before we jump into the interview, I wanted to mention that if you have any needs related to clinical supervision, whether you uh, need to find a clinical supervisor for social work, or if you are a clinical supervisor for social work, I encourage you to go to the risedirectory.com, not the, but just risedirectory.com. Check out the website. If you're a clinical supervisor in your state, add yourself for free. There is no harm, no risk there. And also check out the resource sections because we have a lot of really great tools that you can use to make life as a clinical supervisor and as a supervisee a little bit easier and more organized. So with that said, let's hop into this interview with Terrence talking about virtual reality in social work. And welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine, here, and I am here with Terrence. Welcome to the podcast, Terrence. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Appreciate it. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because you are really involved in VR work, so virtual reality. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and how did you even get into this work? Yeah, so... Again, my name is Terrence Williams. I build virtual reality 
simulations, platforms for mental health professionals, life coaches, therapists, nonprofits, educators, so that they can do or have their sessions, group activities, all types of things in virtual reality in the metaverse. Been doing how my company has been going on for about two years now. I've been working with a ton of people. We've had our hundredth platform a couple months ago, which we're pretty excited about as well. And how did I get started? That's such well, to make a long story short, I always been into tech my entire life. And I was at a situation where I was working for a company, a mattress company, and at this mattress company, everybody had everybody there were different titles. So there was training manager, area manager, store manager. Everybody at the company, though, made the same amount of money. So the training manager made just as much as the area manager, store manager. So I was starting off there as a training manager, and I had a store manager named Hope. And ironically, Hope was not very uh, Hope-like. She was really, really like on me every day, bashing me, antagonizing me, uh, beating me down, all types of stuff every day. And then one day she gets a call, and she goes from store manager to area manager. Man, it's the same salary, same amount of pay. And at that point, I was just like, I got to get out of here. I had graduated my master's already, and I just felt like at the company, I had already hit my glass ceiling. And then my friend was talking to me about a lot of stuff about the metaverse and how you can actually go in there and learn code and how to build these simulations. And when he put the goggles on me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. So from there, I go straight, really, really just dove into learning the whole process of how to create these simulations and learn things. And then from there, I got a lot of therapists that would just reach out to me saying, hey, do you do this type of thing? Could you do this type of thing? And then medical illness is born. That's amazing. I love that. Uh, I always love a good, you know, like I was so fed up with my job and then I did this story because I feel like that's yeah. where I come from too. Uh, yeah. And it's And it's amazing because when we are put in situations where we're hurting and we know stuff is not going right. That is when we're really forced to change and to reevaluate our life and to say, what is next? What am, what's my purpose? What am I really here to do? Yeah. And I've learned all these things through failure after time and just failing over and over again, you start learning different ways to succeed, different ways to play the game and then different ways to grow. So if you're not failing, you're not learning. Exactly. Exactly. And I talked to so many people who, they want to start a podcast. They want to start their own company. They want to do whatever. And they say, well, I don't know how and I don't want to fail. Right, <laughs> and yeah. I tell them same same thing. Yeah. If you're not ready to fail and learn from your failures and pick yourself back up, then you're just not yeah. ready to do it. Yeah. We shy away from uh, failure, but I always tell people, I'll tell my sister today that failure is honestly to me more important than the wins because that's where you learn things. And the win is just the success. It's just the icing on the cake, but you would have never gotten to that win if you didn't go through trials, relations, and failures because every single one of them had a lesson in them. So. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So you mentioned how you use virtual reality to help therapists and social workers can you give some examples of how you've used this to help them help others with mental health in the mental health field? Yeah. So when I first started, we started doing the basic simulations where people can just sit down with a therapist and sit, the client can be in a room setting that looks like a therapist's office and they can just have their telehealth sessions or their, their meetings, their counseling sessions, et cetera. And then from there, we got a lot of requests to do a lot of exposure style things, which... I created just recently created a rage room 
refer a counselor who's doing the clients that I deal with anger management and stress management. So the rage room, you can go in there, you can take a bat, beat up a car, you can throw TVs, you can do all types of really nice things in there. And we also started doing things for people with phobia. So with claustrophobia, for example, we had a client who we created an elevator simulation where he goes into the elevator, walls start closing, they start shaking, start rumbling, it's very loud, but it helps them to really overcome and really deal with that fear by facing it head on in a controlled environment. Wow, there's so many different stories that we've done for really different people. And it's been really an amazing ride. We get a lot of requests when it comes to group style, when it comes to like Alcohol Anonymous or people that are done with PTSD, we're putting them in different types of environments where they can learn to control and not just learn control, but also be in areas and communities with people that go through the same things as them as well. So it brings a, a little bit of unity and brotherhood or sisterhood, if you, know, if you may call it a family oriented environment. So where they can have these group settings or they can be in a raising room or be in you know, the really interesting part as well is we get a lot of people that say, hey, I just want to sit down session with somebody and we put them in the Rocky Mountains. We put them on a beautiful beach type of setting. So we do all types of things. And I think that's really the difference of how people are doing telehealth or different type of Zoom sessions now. This is kind of like the next level. Right. That's amazing. That is so cool. So let me see if I understand because I'm not like a tech person, but I'm fascinated <laughs> yeah. with the with the possibilities of where this is right. going to take us. So so, okay. So for your, when you say this is available for therapists, that means that they can purchase your, like your settings, right? Or the, the virtual office, if you will. And then they'll have their own VR headset, right? And then the client will have their own VR headset. And then that's when they've uh, meet Link together, virtually? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So, right, right. You're there. Yeah. So you have to have you know, VR goggles to be in the settings to experience the virtual settings. You also can do, uh, be able to see the type of stuff on a laptop or computer as well, but you get the real feeling during virtual reality because you get that feeling as if you're there, but you're not there. And it just, it looks more surreal. You're actually in that space with somebody. Okay. As if like, if okay, I'm in, got like it. in the house with somebody, you know, you really feel like you're right there with them. Okay. So the equipment needed is uh, this, the, the system or the program that you provide and then a VR headset. Is that right? Right. So if you have the VR headset, if you have a pair of Oculus 2 goggles, then you can access the platform from that system. Okay. Oculus goggles. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's okay. the Oculus okay. is, is what Facebook's, why they changed their name to Meta. This is a part of what they're doing. They, they bought out Oculus, which is a VR company, and they use their headsets to integrate their uh, platforms and things. Okay. This all makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. So bringing it together. With, yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. So with that said, how, how are you able to address the disparities among the people who are unable to afford the VR headsets? Like, have you, have you given that any thought? Is that something that might be coming in the future? Um, just to make this more accessible for more people who may not have the financial resources that, uh, that other people may have. Right. Yeah. So the headsets aren't ubiquitous. They're not like laptops or cell phones that everybody has. So you have, they are available in Target, Walmart, all those things of that nature. So I tackled that because that was one of the big things when I started. A lot of people were like, I love it, but I can't afford a headset because a headset, a new one can cost anywhere between $399 to you know, $499. So a lot of people just don't want to invest in just one headset to do just that. So what I did was one of the things is 
when you buy a platform from me, I give you a headset for free. So I made it a little bit easier for people like that nature. But I also have manufacturer companies that I partner with, one called Grover. And Grover rents out the headsets for as low as $7, $8 a month per headset. So, And they take care of the, the shipping handling, all that type of stuff returns. So uh, that option has also been like really helpful and people have been using that as well. Okay, great. So if I'm a therapist and I want to start getting into VR with my clients, then it sounds like through your program, that would include the cost of my headset. And then for my clients, if they wanted theirs, then they could rent one for a monthly cost. Or if I could integrate that somehow into my therapy costs, then maybe cover that for them. Is that kind of what Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people try to integrate the cost of it with the headset because you can get a refurbished one for $150. So a lot of people go on that that route as well. Right. Okay. Awesome. I love that. Uh, So I'm wondering, what do you think or what do you see as the future of VR and mental health collaboration? Right. So in the future, I believe that all telehealth sessions, even just a lot of just going to that regular doctor visit, just saying hi to your doctor. I think all of that is just going to change. Everything is going to start off in VR where you can, it's going to look so real as if the doctor is really there and you put the headsets on, you look like you're actually in the hospital room. And the technology is going to be so advanced that he can give you a full examination just while you're in there in this virtual reality space uh, as well. So I think that's where we're going to end up going in the future. Even further than that, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he mentioned that he believes that in the future, like 50 years from now, he thinks that AI is going to completely be able to cure all mental illnesses. They'll be able to detect a mental illness and uh, diagnose it and be able to treat it right there on the spot. So he believes that's going to kind of open the doors to a lot of problems when it comes to psychotherapists or psychologists that are therapists in the future, but we'll see how that goes. That's a, a really advanced way to look at it, but I can definitely see that happening in the future as well, which is a little scary to think about, but at the same time, it's it's just, I, I get stuck on if it's really, if it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, because I can, I can see why a lot of people that spend time to go to school and all these things would be a little bit eerie of it. But if we're able to really yeah. just help save so many lives through mental illness, then, you know, that's maybe a worthy sacrifice. Who knows? For sure. Yeah. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS Law and Ethics exam, the ASWB Master's or Clinical Licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, 
An Introduction to Suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. So it sounds like you think that VR and AI, artificial intelligence, has the ability to take over mental health therapy jobs. Absolutely. But especially on the AI side. On the AI side, it'll be quickly able to just diagnose the, the issue, be able to treat it right there on the spot. That can't, that's not going to happen now, but in the future, I believe AI will become that advanced. Yeah. I think that I agree that it will happen. However, I disagree that therapists are going to be out of a job because what I know as people is we need human interaction. Like that is just part of being human, right? It's not the same thing to go to, to know that you're talking to a robot and while it may help for, you know, it may help for some people. I'm not saying that it won't, but I know that there are other people who are just going to prefer the good old fashioned, like, hey, let's just get together, sit in an office and talk, right. sit on a couch and yeah. talk. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because people think that a lot of this technology stuff is further away than what it really is. So there's already, had, there's already a McDonald's that's completely ran by AI computers and are all you trying to do at Amazon stores where you can just go in and just get your groceries and just walk out, just have a scan. So I agree. There's always that, you know, that good feeling of wanting to always, you know, have that face-to-face interaction. You know, but it's one of the funny things too, when, we've, when I've been doing VR, one of the things that we've been getting a lot of feedback on is that people feel more honest conversing in a digital space, a digital avatar than they are having to sit with their loved one in a marriage counselor setting and having to tell their partner how they really feel, they can do it in a digital space, in a digital avatar. So we're seeing that a lot of people are being a little more comfortable with that. But I, I, I do agree, you know, the, the, but at the same time, we look at just technology in general, like, yeah, there, there are people that still ride horses, but most people drive cars, so. True, true, valid point. And, mm-hmm. and that is a good benefit too. I can definitely see how people would want to, feel would be able to feel more honest and open with a with a robot if you will because there's well, no, just there's a digital probably... space because if like i'm mean, if i'm a in di- there with vr then it'll be you with if you're in vr if you're wearing a headset and i'm wearing a headset and we're both in the rocky mountains then i see your digital avatar okay oh, oh i see avatar. it yeah. okay so the, so you're saying that they've been able to be more open and honest in a vr setting correct okay Okay. Yeah. I like that. And I can see that happening. I was also thinking in terms of AI, like the artificial intelligence um, or chat GPT, like those things that are coming up that, that also may replace therapy jobs. Cause they're saying like, you can just go type online to one of these, like, ro- I'm just going to call it a robot. Cause I don't yeah. know what else to call it, but <laughs> one of these robots and you know, you can talk about how you're feeling, your mental health, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can see how you could be more open and honest with that because there may not be the fear of judgment, no matter what you're going to tell this robot, like, you know, um, but at the same time, I can't help but think of HIPAA and all of the drama that has been happening with telemental health platforms about them recording sessions secretly, using that for marketing, you know, how... How do you see HIPAA like integrated into all this? You know, is there a HIPAA concern? I guess is my question with the VR. So I do get, yeah, I do get questions about HIPAA and compliance. So we don't offer the 
the actual steps to do it. The people, the therapists who get the platforms, they go through whatever they need to go through for the compliance of HIPAA. But a lot of the questions that they do ask is about privacy. And I'll, I'll speak on, the, on my standpoint for my company. So you can make it very private, but you can also make it very public in there as well. So one of the things when people get the headsets, I tell them when you make an account, if you want it to be private, don't use your actual personal information and make a guest account. That's type of thing. And as well, we all you also have the, the, the ability to turn the privacy settings off or on as well. So or your location, be able to turn that off as well. So we are able to give those type of metrics, you know, if they're not recorded sessions in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we can know what this laptop that we're using is doing. But do we really know what it's doing? Do we really know what information is pulling out of us? Like we can only know so much and so far. So but yeah, I do get questions about that. I think in the future with HIPAA, it's going to have to be one of those, you know, it's one of those they have to get on board or, you know, or not, because I think it's going to come regardless if they want it to. And I think most companies, they'll just try to see how can I work within this system? How can I integrate myself in the system? Still put rules and guidelines, but how can we make sure we're part of this, this future, you know, so. Right, right. And that's a good point because a lot of these systems in place that moderate us and essentially regulate the industry, they're so far behind and they're so slow. Right. And and I see that in the field of social work too, that our universities and colleges, I mean, they're so big and so vast. Even the big organizations, they just can't yeah. keep up with these things. And if you have people in leadership who just want to do the same things that you've always been doing, then right. they're not open to to innovation, which we need, right? Because I can see right. how this tool would be extremely beneficial for new social workers going in. I mean, you can design different types of settings. So if I'm, you know, my background, I have a lot of experience in hospice, right? So if you give me a setting with a hospice patient and there's like family members there, you know, it can help me to become familiar with what it's going to be like going in, seeing a hospice patient, someone who's near death, someone who may be living in squalor, right? Yeah, a lot of times our clients are just, you know, not able yeah. to be very clean. Or just recreating so, our whole home too, right? Like recreating the home to make that actually looks like a, you know, a virtual reality simulation of their actual home to make them feel more comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, too. I mean, I can see how this would be really cool with uh, people who have dementia, uh, being yeah. able to kind of take them back to their childhood home or whatever kind of positive memories that you might need, or even people with, with Parkinson's who may not be able to leave their bed, but they're able to still be cognitively aware of what's going on. And it just, yeah. you know, it would provide a temporary release and escape for them. So a yeah. lot of really cool areas. Yeah, speaking of dementia, we'll we did something on schizophrenia side where we create a simulation to where you walk into a room, it looks very normal. There's a TV on, there's a newspaper, people are talking and laughing. And then you walk into a door, you walk through a door to another room. It's the same exact room, but the things you hear on the TV are a little bit different. What people are saying are a little bit different. The newspaper is a little bit different. You start hearing a little bit of voices in your head. So it gives people an idea of what it's like to walk in the life of somebody with schizophrenia, so which is also a pretty cool project we were able to work on. Yeah. Oh, that's super powerful. I did a exercise like that in grad school where we put on headphones and it was playing similar to what the voices would be like if you had schizophrenia. Yeah. And the assignment was to you put on the headphones, you listen to this 
CD or whatever it was while you're walking around campus. Ah, okay. And yeah. So being out and about walking around and you could see how you can experience, right? Same thing with VR. Like it's a way to experience what it would be like or what people have to go through on a daily basis when they're yeah. living with this and how hard it is to concentrate, how hard it would be to be in class, go to school, do your homework, read a book, go to work. So, yeah, uh, so really powerful. Us. Yeah, experiences yeah. connect us for sure. It really brings people together, lets people understand where you're coming from, or lets people be able to relate to each other. And that's kind of like an unspoken language, you know, experience is really an unspoken language because it really can just bridge the gap between how people are truly feeling. It's true. Yeah. And that's how we remember stuff. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure that most of your memories are experiences. It's not some lecture that you had in college. Can't remember one. <laughs> exactly. So I can't remember one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, there's a lot of social workers who are interested in the tech space. How can somebody with a mental health background get started in VR or start a career in this area? You know, any tips that you have for how we could, you know, be able to make our skill sets used in this area? That's a great question. I think the first thing, if somebody's interested, I would just try to learn different programs where you can actually learn how to do VR. There's a lot of different uh, just programs out there where you can actually just take the time and just actually learn the steps of how they build things and be able to create simulations. And from there, I would just take the time to learn it. There's not really a lot of like certifications or courses that you can take. You really just have to dive in. So if the program is on, uh, I'm not too sure, like the Centraland or Sandbox, or if the program is on Horizon Worlds, you know, actually take the time to learn it. And if that means you have to YouTube it, if you have to Google stuff, if you have to find people within the space and reach out to them, you know, there's always different ways to learn. You know, it's not always have to be a college setting or a course setting, certification setting. You can learn anything without actually having to go to school for it. So I would just take the time to find the avenues and just do the research. Great. And there's all a right. site. So some there's an amazing site. There's one site. I'll give you all this one site that will teach you everything you know. Let's spell it. G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. All right. The link is in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you everything you know. Yes. Yeah, some good old fashioned research and, uh, and self-education. I love it. Yeah. So for therapists who are interested in in your program and using this, or even for social workers who might be listening, who think that, hey, this would be a really great opportunity for my organization to take advantage and use this with clients or use this with staff trainings. You know, how can we find out more information? How can we get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can find me, well, you can find my website at www.metawellness.space. You can find my Instagram at Terrence Williams VR. And yeah, those, I will start with those. I'm also on LinkedIn at Terrence Williams. And you can find me there and just have a conversation. Let me know your dreams and aspirations, what your vision is, and then we can put it together and make it come to life. Awesome. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Terrence. It's been amazing talking with yeah. you today. It's been a pleasure All for right. sure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe 
and text this episode to a friend. If you want more, there are a few ways we can get to know each other and work together. First, definitely subscribe to the Friday resource email list. The link is in the show notes. And that's where you can learn more about the courses I offer, including Clinical Essentials for the Future Therapist and the Pulse Basics for Medical Social Workers. I'll also be sending out occasional tips and resources and other happenings within the social work industry. And for all your clinical supervision needs, be sure to visit risedirectory.com. This is a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers, and we also provide free resources that you can use within your own clinical supervision. Lastly, if you have more individualized needs, I do offer coaching, individual consultations, and am available for public speaking engagements for social workers and change makers. Lastly, the boring legal stuff, but very important. The information in this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for therapy, professional advice, or clinical supervision. This content is provided as is solely for informational purposes. It is not legal, health, or safety advice. I am not advising you as a therapist. Organizations should engage their own experts to ensure any adoptive measures are compliant with applicable laws and standards in their jurisdictions. The opinions expressed by individuals or organizations are their own and do not reflect the views or opinions of Social Workers Rise or Catherine Moore. References to specific products or organizations do not constitute any endorsement or recommendations by Social Workers Rise.